Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show On The Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. Can't start yet. I don't have my microphone up and my headphones aren't on. Well, (laughs) get it up and put them on. All right. I'm ready to roll now. Good morning, Mark Lawrence. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. I'm still thinking about this truck I drove last week. It it is uh, a brand new color. Antimatter blue. It's like a dark blue. Uh, when you, if you see it on a gray day, it looks just like uh, you know maybe like a, a ultra dark gray or even a black. But when the sun hits it, holy smoke! It's this really vivid blue. It's uh, like a metallicized color with a carbonized gray accent. So it was just a super trucked looking, fabulous. I'll show you a picture of it in my driveway. It looked wonderful. Backed it up to the garage door. It barely fits between the garage door and the alley. So we'd have to shave. A a couple of inches off the truck to fit in my driveway. But uh, super truck has that tailgate step for folks who want to get into the back. And Joe, it has well, I something. I guess you're, you won't be buying it now. I might. But where are you going to put it? Well, we'll have to ask my lovely bride if she'll change garages. <laughs> it involves some alterations, but uh, it has a bottle opener. It would be worth it. A bottle opener? On the tailgate, yes. And it has a 110 outlet and a measuring uh, device on it for the uh, measuring the fish that you catch. And it also has a tailgate step. So you pull this little device out of the tailgate. Of course, the tailgate opens automatically if you push the button on the key fob. And you can also open the tailgate from in the cab as well, and uh, it's just a super truck. I really enjoyed driving it and uh, gave it back. I told him what it would have to have in order for it to be my truck, so Kyle's working on those uh, potential possibilities, so uh, we'll let you know how we I'm make I'm sure they're that. pretty tired of your potential possibilities <laughs> over at Sunbury Motor. <laughs> well, they keep calling me back. Well, and Kyle said, remember when I drove the Mustang, I don't usually drive these vehicles. You know, I just get introduced to them, and I get, you know, some good things to remember about them, but uh, when we got the, they got the Mustang and said, Mark, I'm afraid the only way for us to explain this is for you to drive it. Of course, it, that was a, a true statement because it just takes off. It's really wonderful and quiet as can be. Uh, but the truck is the same way. It rides like a car. It has the towing package. So if you want to put a trailer in a tight spot, you just kind of set it for where you need to go and uh, get your hands off the wheel and push the button. And it puts the trailer back wherever you need it to go. Of course, it gives you those little lines so you can back up more accurately. And it has the little drone that flies flies over you all the time that shows where you are, has 360-degree cameras around the whole thing. So it shows you all the time where you are in relation to other cars and traffic and signs and so on. I mean, I guess it would be technically possible to dent this truck into something, but I can't so you're, see how. you're not actually looking at the road. You're looking at the 360-degree camera angle? Well, you have to keep your eyes on the road. 
but you can glance. I would think that might be a decent idea, unless it's self-driving. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and never look at the road? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Well, it does have a forward-looking camera. I guess you could do that. It, that would seem a little odd. It's fisheye lenses, so, you know, it's not. Oh, okay. Per, it, objects are closer than they appear, so by the time you realize <laughs> that there's You're a, in trouble. Right, right, right. But anyway, 2021 Ford F-150. It literally sells itself, so I invite you to do what I did. Take a drive in one. SunburyMotors.com. Ask for Kyle. Mm-hmm. Tell them that you heard Mark Lawrence droning on and on. You just want to shut them up. You're going to buy one from no, me. No, it doesn't sell itself, or you would have bought it. <laughs> well, it needs. It didn't have something that I need. Well, you, that's an excuse. You could have modified okay. something. All right. Right. Well, now you'd have to take the back window out. Uh, it doesn't have a, a sliding glass rear window oh, on the truck no. cab. So, of course, they're all power windows now. But if I get a 12-foot piece of lumber, where am I going to put it? You know, you have to run it up into the cab. So, How often do you get 12-foot pieces of lumber? I don't think I ever have. <laughs> but if you ever did, you'd want some way to handle it, right? <laughs> right. We've got to have a place to put it. So, all right. Well, they're very patient people over there. They must be to endure you constantly looking at their vehicles, but not buying. One of, our, one of my f- supposed friends uh, says there is a place for the lumber. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we'll say about that. Well, I can you. imagine where these you are might my have friends. Suggested that. <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah, uh, SunburyMotors.com. They are the sponsor of the On the Mark program, and that uh, launches from henceforth Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at SunburyMotors.com. Our toll-free line now open. Call us one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We can talk about uh, things that are in the news. President Biden is uh, very much uh, in the news uh, lately with his uh, infrastructure package going to be unveiled in Pittsburgh today. Another true $2 trillion in spending. This not necessarily adding to the deficit because there'll be tax increases associated with right. it. Right. So They're going to take the corporate net income tax back up to 28% again, drive businesses out of the country. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> Honest to Pete. You know, I understand if you if you say the old uber wealthy aren't paying their fair well, share. I mean, the uber wealthy admit to that, but to tax corporations significantly. I have to hear the justification Well, if they were that. raising the tax rate to pay down the debt, I would support that. Mm-hmm. But all they're doing is creating more debt, and, and that debt service rolls on and on and on. And I don't know whether you saw it, but a new poll indicates that Americans are giving President Biden a big thumbs, thumbs up on his dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. But when it comes to the divisive issue of immigration and border security, the survey shows the president's approval rating is plummeting. Just a third of Americans questioned in an NPR Marist poll released on Tuesday say they approve of Biden's handling of the issue of immigration, with 53% saying they disapprove of his performance, while two-thirds of Democrats say they approve of how Biden has handled the issue in the first two months of his presidency. Approval plunges to 27% among independents, 5% among Republicans. The influx of migrants crossing the nation's southern border with Mexico has jumped since Biden's inauguration. Republicans have repeatedly slammed the president on the issue, blaming him for what they consistently call a crisis. And yesterday, I find this fascinating, they finally did allow cameras in Mm -hmm. to one of the facilities, and CBS, I think, and ABC showed the pictures last night of these kids crammed into these pods uh, wrapped Mm -hmm. in their tinfoil blankets. And guess what this morning? Neither CNN or MSNBC found that worthy of news. And yet, and while they also didn't cover um, Andrew 
Cuomo's latest accuser. They have some Republican congressman that they're just frothing at the mouth about who has uh, apparently been accused of having sex with a 17-year-old girl, mm-hmm. which he denies. Just which as, he denies. He denies. Okay. So, I mean, uh, Cuomo denies all these allegations, too, but they don't report on them. They report on the Republican. Okay, so um, let's kind of start. Let's unpack some of that. Uh, First of all, the president's approval ratings on immigration. Well, it's no surprise to me that they would be exceedingly low. Nobody likes a crisis that you've created. You know, one day there was not a crisis there when one president was there, and then you take over, and there is a crisis. So even if maybe, you know, some natural factors contributed to it, the way that it's being handled has contributed to this crisis. And those pictures of uh, kids in these uh, clear plastic air-conditioned bubbles in the... You mean Biden's baked potatoes wrapped in their tinfoil? Oh, right. Okay, you can say that. I think they're people, but in any event, um, I, th- I think that th- it is a very gripping photograph. And are you sure CNN didn't show it? Because I was watching CNN yesterday, and I did end up seeing those, but I might have picked it up because I surf well, other Well, they aren't channels. showing it on New Day in the morning. At least I didn't see it there this morning. How, how many hours did you watch? Well, I watched Two the hours? first half hour, which is when they do most of the news segments okay. on all the shows. Which is where it would And it's certainly, it certainly was they consider to be the major news stories of the day. And Um, they had stories about immigration, but just not those pictures. Both. Uh, no, I didn't even see a story on immigration. Well, maybe they're station. protecting the president. Maybe they don't want the president's CNN approval was, ratings CNN to go was, any lower. Uh, CNN was focused on Chauvin's trial. At the, uh, they, they considered okay. that the lead story this morning. MSNBC's lead story was about President Biden's dog biting somebody again. And that was followed up <laughs> <Well>, by... <laughs> kids and dogs, the universal good story. So. Yeah, you know, dog bites man, no story. Man bites dog, there's a story. And then they went on to this congressman, Republican Congressman Gates, I think his name is, and they focused on that. Fox focused on immigration and then fleetingly mentioned Gates and uh, some of the other material. Uh, They didn't even mention Chauvin that I saw on Fox this morning. But you know who had everything covered? Who had, you know, all those stories they touched on in their newscasts? Hmm. Right here on WKOK. Morning, uh, good, the morning program with America's, uh, First, America's News. First News with Gordon Deal. Mm-hmm. I thought they were balanced and fair, which is why I like that program so well, very, very much. Well, they're very conservative, which is why you like well, it. I don't think Gordon Deal's conservative. I don't think he he. I think that the, he and his news people, um, what's her name? Um, well, you channel everything through your Fox funnels. That's why it doesn't sound conservative. It is, but that's fine. Now that we've established that it's left or right leaning, that's fine. Now you know it, and you can listen accordingly, or you can make your own. Dis, you know, you I have, have you ever heard yourself. an editorial were editorial words from Gordon Deal? No, he only no. interviews Republicans, and they're all very partisan, <laughs> and he doesn't challenge them. So that's, I mean, that's really? how you, that's how you can tell. Yeah, I mean, if like for example, if he interviewed Fred Keller, Fred Keller would be able to say, "Well, Joe Biden's doing a terrible." job. Job the innovation, the immigration is a crisis, and it's been uh, solely created by Joe Biden. Joe Biden's uh, l- causing the loss of more jobs, and uh, the uh, uh, Gordon doesn't challenge him. You know, he would just let he just lets Republicans say these things when there are two sides to those stories. Well, he now, has, if he has reporters uh, on from the Washington Post, he has reporters on from the Wall Street not Journal. Not from the Post, no. Yes, he's had on from the Washington. From the, he's had people uh, on the Post, the Examiner. 
He's no, had them from on the other paper. The examiner. The name. Now there's yet another one. Okay. But he's anyway. had people on from the New York Times. He's had people on from the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think I think whether or not you well, like now that him, you know he's left leaning, well, listen for it. Left okay? leaning or right said. leaning? I mean, honestly, he covered all those stories. He and uh, Jennifer Kashenka, his news person, covered all those stories this morning. I didn't hear any editorial comment. I just heard the straight reporting of these are the facts. Okay, and that I thought was great. But you know, when you have MSNBC and CNN deliberately ignoring things, I mean, burying them, that's kind of scary. Well, yeah, it means that you, it used to be, if you knew one of the networks was leaning left or right or whatever, uh, you could still watch them, you know, almost exclusively, but as long as you knew that, you could keep that in mind. But if you have CNN or MSNBC not showing pictures of this at all whatsoever, I mean, that's almost a cover-up when you finally do get some good pictures from them. No, I get that. I understand that. Well, and I think you get the same thing from Fox, you know, it's very one-sided, so, but now you have to watch two. You know, I think it, it maybe in the past, you know, when Walter Cronkite was there, you could watch one and you thought, well, maybe he's a journalist, so maybe he leans right. You know, I don't, I, I don't know that there was any evidence of that. But in any event, you could be satisfied with just watching one channel. Not everybody has time to watch two channels as you do. I know at our house, the uh, instant return between Fox and CNN is, is the most used button that we have on the remote, you know, because we go back and forth and try to, you know, get as much information as possible. But I think your sample of, of them not using that picture at all whatsoever is a little small, too. I mean, you can't just watch a 24-hour network for half an hour and say, aha! But who? the morning news at 6 o'clock is big on television. I mean, that's where a lot of people get their information. Some folks are no getting argument up. there. Some people, like me, have been to the gym and are sitting down to my breakfast, and I want to see what the news is. is. Everybody lives like you. There's no argument there. <laughs> I didn't say that, Mark. I just said 6 o'clock is an important time for news in the morning. That's when a lot of people gotcha. are up and watching the news. I know. Our ratings skyrocket at that time. So, I mean, let's face it. it you, the news is at the that when they give the opening of the show and they say, this is what we're covering. Don't you assume that the things that lead in the A block, as they call it on television, are well, the that's things an they oversight on their the most part, important thing? Not showing those pictures because they're gripping. I mean, you literally see hundreds of kids in rooms that are no bigger than just two or three of these rooms here, clear plastic, supposedly air-conditioned, you know, so that, that's Let's the upside. So. And they have the toddlers over in a separate padded area with all these toys and stuff. Where those, where the, But you're in the same five square feet, and some of them have been there for a week or more. Um, and admittedly, Fox this morning had on one of the officials who ran that center that they were allowed into. He said it was built for 250 so is, people, uh, and there are 4,000 in there now. Let's look at constructive alternatives here. Um, should we be turning away older kids at the border? Now, if an 8-year-old shows up at the border, obviously you don't want to send them off into Mexico without accompaniment. But if a 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old shows up at the border, the president's policy now is to let them in and then take care of them and resettle them here in the U.S. Should we do that? I I think... There's an interesting question here posed by Ben Reichley, who uh, sent us an email, and Ben's one of the co-hosts of the program. Well, he says, sent to us anonymously, actually. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Well, but he asked a good question. Why aren't these migrants going south to the democracy of Costa Rica? It's closer. They have a very good economy compared to the other countries in the area. Medical care is first class, etc. The reason? Costa Rica has boundaries and immigration laws that they implement. 
Okay. You know, so read the rest of that. Uh, also include Belay. Is it Belize? Belize in the question. It's the United States honeypot. Commerce for the cartels and upfront money to get the U.S. If they get here, they find work or government assistance, and they send a large percentage of the honey back home. Check the Western Union data on transactions to Central America and Mexico. How much does the corrupt government take before the families see a penny? Interesting question. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'd love to hear from you uh, via telephone. You can text us uh, with your response or question or observation at 70236. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com. We're going to have an opportunity this hour to talk to Leonard Steinhorn. Of course, he's the individual who is uh, from uh, American University. Yes, CBS mm-hmm. correspondent. Uh, journalist. White so, House correspondent. No, no, no that's Stephen Portman. Oh, okay. That's who we were shooting for, but uh, we got Leonard instead. Oh, okay. Which is, We've had Leonard before. Right. He's, he's always That's an upgrade, so we're, we're good to go. And next week on Sunrise, we'll talk to Jeff McCausland, who is a CBS News military correspondent. He's got a new book out about Gettysburg, so he'll be on one of the Sunrise excerpts next week. So. Actually, it's about leadership lessons learned from Gettysburg and how they apply to today's world. Did you order the book yet? I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> right, you'll have to get the book tape. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. If you'd like to join us on our show today, we can talk about Congressman Keller's uh, tele-town hall yesterday. Had a lot of uh, good remarks about what's going on in Washington and what's right and what's wrong down there and his efforts to set the ship straight. Wouldn't it be nice to have Fred on the program again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the picture that they, they, they posted a story. We had a reporter that did a story about about the Teletown Hall, they posted a picture of Fred in the studio back in March. So it wasn't that long ago we had him here. So, yeah, he's uh, we're dead to him, but uh, hopefully we'll get back in good graces at some point. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Would you say that's right? A commentator is a regular potato? (laughs) We're going to talk to Leonard Steinhorn at 9.45 this morning. He's a commentator. Right. That's his job is to analyze and commentate, just like us during the 8.30 a.m. hour. (laughs) You're listening to On the Mark, WKOK Live telephone talk show. Go ahead, Lance. You're on the mark. Why, anyway... Uh, Gordon Deal uh, comes from the Wall Street Journal, does it not? Uh, it used to. Uh, they spun it off into a separate entity. 
That's okay. that's how it started. It started out as a Wall Street Journal uh, morning show. And then uh, they got out of it, and so Gordon Deal started it up as America's First News, and it's his product, and uh, let's see, Compass Media markets it, and he's independent. But he is a conservative, so he, uh, you know, sort of echoes what he brought that with him from the Wall Street Journal. Let's see. If you ever read the journal, what you will find are articulate voices from virtually every viewpoint you could ever imagine. Right. Agree with okay. you, Lance. I, they're, they're terrific. I mean, I've subscribed for 40 years now almost. So today's Wall Street Journal is right down the middle. Yeah. Okay, right. well, good. That's news but, to uh, me. But good. The, the editorial board, if you want to find the articulate voice of the old conservatives now, not uh, uh, what you call the far right, is never there. It is what we used to call the old conservative, the old Republican Party. Uh, they all, the one our parents all knew and loved, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, really think they're uh, well, still doing a really fine job. So they've grown into an objective newspaper. Well, that's great news. Yeah, glad to hear it. I, I will admit I haven't looked at the journal in a long time. I was going by tradition. Well, I mean, actually, I just uh, would, just would challenge you to do that because they do a fantastic job. Do they put out an audio book? Otherwise, Mark won't read it. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> he I likes subscribe audio to books. five newspapers. So. <laughs> <laughs> I read the first paragraph of hundreds of stories every day, right? <laughs> yeah. If they bury the lead, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, seriously, I, I, I listen to Gordon Deal every morning, and I, I find him to be well-balanced. You know, I, I don't find a left lead. I'm surprised Mark says he's right Now that you'll look for it, you'll hear it. Well, only if... You, I, my fox funnels are stuck so firmly in my ears I can't get them out. <laughs> okay. Well, it is the job of a newsman or a news person um, to make a comment on anything or only just to say this is what happened? Well, I think what uh, people should do, like for example, people are always asking us to do this on this show and we do not, is uh, I, I think if an uh, individual that you're interviewing says something that's highly partisan, uh, points to the other side of the aisle with an opinion about how bad their coverage is and or how bad their viewpoint is and uh, raises up your partisan opinion about how good your side is when these are just opinions i think it's up to a commentator to say is there another side you know is there anything good about uh, you know raising the deficit or, or you know is there anything good about raising taxes well, just the- to say that you know all things on one side of the aisle are all good and everything on the other side is bad. Here's the, flaw right. in your, here's the flaw in your argument. There are two different things here. One is the interview where you get the chance to ask the person that tough question about his stance or his opinion. Then the other is how you report on that interview. Right. Well, that's and when you report topic. on that interview, you should be fair and balanced and you should go right down the middle without editorial comments. When asked about why he took this particular stand, Congressman Keller said blank. Mm-hmm. And when asked uh, when, when, when questioned by others about uh, his view, they said blank. You know, so you're reporting what actually transpired. You're not coloring it with your editorial comments. That's where the, the news media, I think, has blurred the line over these past few years to the point that people don't know whether they're hearing news or opinion, or and they're in effect being told what to believe. Agreed. 
Really? Okay. Amazing. Well, it's obvious <laughs> that you know commentators ask aren't asking probing questions uh, in their interviews, and then are, as you say, pulling out excerpts or remarks about interviews that make it sound like they, that agree with them. Lance, go ahead. You're on the air. You get the last word. Well. Anyway, could I say something that's totally off the subject that we're talking here? <laughs> On an open day, yes. <laughs> Go right ahead. Okay. All right. <laughs> Those uh, tinfoil blankets that seem to get such bad press are really uh, quite a uh, well piece of work. We used them for years and years and years when we used to uh, ride around the country on motorbikes and sleep under the table at a roadside park. <laughs> and... Uh, they are really quite amazing. We used to call them space blankets, and they do uh, keep you warm like you could not believe. The insulation qualities of these things, I think they grew out of the space program, you know, along with Tang, <laughs> and um, they aren't a bad thing, really. Are they reflective on both sides? Um, well, well, yeah, really. Okay. Gotcha. I'd say so. But they, they don't take up any room at all. You can practically put one in your shirt pocket. Well, not quite, but they are uh, a good thing. I mean, everybody poo-poos them and uh, tells you that they are a bad thing, but they're not. I think when they're wrapping children in a cage, they're a bad thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> probably so. Hard to get out of that comment. <laughs> okay. Of some people, same people that go crazy over cages don't mind sucking little children into bottles. Well, there's they a pleasant don't. image for the day. <laughs> well, really, they don't. I mean, they that, they Everything don't. comes back to DUI and abortion. Abortion, right, and alcohol. <laughs> Not that you well, don't have, you are, if nothing else, Lance consistent. <laughs> well, yeah, but somebody better, because, uh, I mean, we, we look at abortions and, you know, that's 600,000 human beings that are being destroyed. Yeah. And, and then... Uh, well, now we're really off the topic today. Hey, listen, we've got to take a break coming oh, yeah. up for the news, but thanks for your comments. We appreciate them. Okay. Take care. Yeah. We have a, an right. emailer who says... I've heard Fred Keller twice recently on the Julie Mason show on the, the POTUS, POTUS channel, channel Sirius XM. Perhaps you should give her a call and she can negotiate an interview for you. Seems rather immature of Fred not to reach out to his constituents via WKOK. Come on, Fred, grow up. This yeah. is from one of our writers. Yeah, the congressman's on a lot of channels. He's on Newsmax and OAS and on POTUS and... Uh, he's been on the Fox early, early morning show. I forget That's what That's uh, Fox and Friends first. First, okay. He's been on that show. Everybody but us. <laughs> so, this is News Radio 1070, WKOK Sunbury, WKOK News Time. It is uh, now coming up on 9 a.m. CBS News, then local news. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe directly across from me. Mr. Rob on the other side of the glass. We just sent him the telephone number for Leonard Steinhorn a little bit later on in the show. So we appreciate uh, Rob giving us a thumbs up that uh, he'll be good to go. So we'll be calling Leonard Steinhorn a little bit later on. And, uh, of course, he, of course, the CBS political analyst, author, professor at American University, and... uh, uh, very learned and uh, monitoring all things current as it relates to the Biden administration. So we can talk about this big infrastructure plan. We can talk about the uh, rainbow judicial nominees that just uh, came out uh, from the president and the first Muslim uh, American to be nominated for a federal court post. So we can discuss that. Of course, the immigration immigration crisis at the U.S. southern border. Uh, somehow the uh, president thinks that changes in gun laws are somehow doable in the U.S. Not quite sure how they're going to pull that off, but uh, we can talk to Leonard Steinhorn about that, so that'll be coming up as we get closer to the next hour. Uh, We had talked a little bit about interviewing uh, Jeff McCausland. The CBS correspondent wrote a new book about leadership at Gettysburg, and that will be on WDKOK Sunrise next week. We'll conduct that interview, so uh, we'll be be, uh, in touch next week during the Sunrise show. That's at 7.10 in the morning one day next week, so we'll keep you posted posted about uh, that, uh, the Jeff McCausland. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. We've been talking about media and bias and Wall Street Journal, now viewed by some two great local individuals around here as uh, being unbiased. America's First News with Gordon Deal. Uh, I think it sounds conservative. Joe says he thinks it sounds objective, so we'd love your opinion on these kinds of topics, this media topic. Uh, Joe pointed out that CNN and MSNBC in the brief time that he had got to watch them today didn't show what are some pretty gripping pictures from the border crisis, and that is uh, uh, hundreds of kids uh, packed in small rooms wrapped in their foil blankets and uh, being supposedly well taken care of, albeit crammed in tight quarters uh, somewhere in Texas. So we can talk about that, the immigration. Uh, The uh, Congressman Keller, you're going to hear some excerpts of his remarks uh, conducted a town hall yesterday uh, so we can talk about uh, your view on his responses and what happened and what he had to say at that time we can talk about that today as well uh, our toll-free line open call us 1-800-795-9565 you can email us at on the market and text us at 70236 some brief news headlines. Statewide, uh, the outbreak of COVID-19 is climbing, but locally things are steady. Uh, there have been over 5,000 statewide COVID-19 cases again. They've been centered primarily in the Pocono region, Northampton County, uh, Monroe County, also Center County, where Penn State is located, has a sharp rise in cases. But in our area, just two counties are still in the substantial spread category, Northumberland and Montour County. Lately, Northumberland County had 20 more cases of COVID-19. Montour County just five. Statewide hospitalizations are ticking back up, but local hospitalizations and vaccinations have been steady. So uh, we are getting uh, more of the... 
the uh, vaccination into arms. More jabs have happened around here. U.S. Congressman Fred Keller, as we mentioned, conducted a teletown hall for uh, an hour last evening, talking to about a dozen Valley residents on the telephone. The U.S.-Mexico border crisis proposed gun law changes and government way overspending were his favorite topics. Congressman Keller said the U.S. must continue looking at all forms of energy that are available. There's a lot of opportunity that comes with the development of domestic energy. And I believe in all energy, whether it be solar, wind, natural gas, oil. Congressman pointed to President Biden's administration for exacerbating U.S. energy issues, jobs loss, and border crisis. Keller said a top priority now for him is getting high-speed Internet to rural parts of the U.S. and Pennsylvania. As for proposed changes in gun laws... government's responsibility to make sure we protect your constitutional rights, and we do not need to be holding law-abiding citizens accountable for the actions of others. The congressman also said previous stimulus measures were necessary, but the recent $1.9 trillion measure was overly wasteful and will add unnecessarily to the nearly $30 trillion U.S. deficit. Keller says he has high hopes for local economic recovery. I just want to make sure that we implement policies that incentivize people to get back to work. That's why we agreed with the Paycheck Protection Program during this pandemic. 12th District U.S. Congressman Fred Keller there. The Capitol Star is reporting members of the U.S. Congress were among the first people to budge in line and get their vaccinations. Senator Bob Casey and Senator Pat Toomey, along with Congressman Dan Muser, got their shot. Fred Keller and Glenn Thompson did not respond to surveys indicating whether or not they have been vaccinated. Many people have been uh, taking to social media to ask why trees are being cut down in Pine Knotter Park in Northumberland. The borough manager, Jan Bowman, says they discovered that many of the trees are are diseased and decaying, either dead and necessarily dangerous. Uh, firewoods available for their individuals in evenings and weekends, and uh, they said they'll plan to park appropriate people-friendly trees this fall. Well, instead of these big, super tall sugar maples, they'll be. Well, what's a people-friendly tree? Just <laughs> uh, one that doesn't uh, fall over. Oh, when I, it's I'm forty Mr. years oh, old, and I like people and get rotten in the middle. Okay. You know, um, well, you know. Red bud comes to mind. Uh, Those are people-friendly trees? Uh, all different kind of cherry trees are always nice. Okay. Um, dogwoods. Um, oh, gosh. How about apple I'm, trees? Uh, we could have some fruit while we're at it. Uh, hawthorn. We have a nice hawthorn in front of our house growing yeah, like crazy. Right. Um, I can't remember the rest. There's a lot of good ones they use in parks and along streets and so on. But not maples. Japanese maple trees are nice. I got two giant maples in my backyard and two giant oaks in my front yard. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, remember, they They're call them... They're not friendly. They, I have to clean up after right. them. <laughs> I was just going to say, they call them widow makers for a reason, so watch out. All right. Most important news story in the world is former President Donald Trump has launched a new website designed to allow him to stay in touch with his worshipers, I mean supporters. Trump's office announced the site 45office.com in a statement Monday night, uh, according to The Hill. And the site allows people to send comments, requests, and appearance or request a greeting. It also includes brief summaries of President Trump and former First Lady Melania Trump's uh, time in the White House. The site comes as President Trump has remained suspended or banned from other major social media outlets, including Twitter and Facebook, following the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. 
So there you go, 45office.com. I'm going to have to look that up so we know what he's up to. And you uh, editorialized in the middle of the newscast. I know. <laughs> that's Using funny. the word worshipers. <laughs> it slipped. I, I, I thought that's what it said, but when I looked more carefully. I thought you were going to say buffoon supporters or something like mm-hmm. that. Hey, listen. Here's that a, word's out of my vocabulary. I hope so. Have you heard the story? You know, it's coming out of California. San Diego's convention center is being used to house uh, these young children, immigrants, and they have an alarmingly high COVID-19 infection rate. But local teachers are providing them with in-person instruction before their own students. The students in the school district down there, only about 6,000 out of 100,000 are actually in class. But the teachers who don't want to go back and don't Mm -hmm. want to take their, you know, teach their students, many of them are volunteering to teach these illegal immigrant children, uh, and they're, they're filled with COVID. I mean, if I were a parent, my blood would be boiling. My kids can't go back to school, but the teachers who don't want to go back, you know, are, are actually demand are treating or teaching kids who aren't really their responsibility. Well, good for them. So that's what you call a volunteer, right? But so, you don't see anything wrong with that, that they are volunteering to teach kids who have crossed the border illegally, but they won't go back to the classroom to teach the kids they're being paid to teach. Why won't they go back to the classroom? Well, ask the teachers' union. They have all sorts of reasons. They don't They don't want better ventilation. Even I, there was a story that I saw this morning on one of the news services that even though teachers have been given a high priority in this one area for vaccines, they don't want to go back. Okay. You know what? What's the problem here? Well, what exactly are the teachers' complaints? Let's out. Let's let's start at the beginning. First, there was public schools. Then the teachers decided they would. They're not teaching online, correct? Well, I assume they're doing that. Someone's teaching okay. the kids there virtually. Well, you should have mentioned that they are teaching online virtually. Then. Right. And they don't want to go back because they've elucidated several very clear reasons. What are they? Well, they think there needs to be uh, vaccinations, first of all. They said that. They want ventilation. Mm -hmm. They want to have a list of demands that vary by district. But the important point is that no matter what those demands are, they aren't being met by the government when they volunteer to teach these kids uh, in one of these detention centers. And that's the problem. So you think there, it is identical what an individual does in their own time and volunteering is exactly the same as what a collective bargaining union asks for when they're negotiating a labor issue. One of us is terribly wrong on this issue. Right. I mean, come on. Well, it might be me. I'm just trying to understand what you're talking about. What I'm talking about is... You come here and say teachers won't teach, but you have no idea why. You say ventilation. Okay, so I get that. Well, they have a list of demands. It varies by district. I don't okay. know the specific demands of the San Diego uh, Unified School District teachers. And they're not totally ignoring their students. They're teaching virtually, correct? They are, but we all know virtual teaching is not working really well for kids. I mean, there have been endless studies on that. Surely those studies have penetrated. The teachers are lazy? No. My my contention is that there's something terribly wrong when they're volunteering to teach kids who in a detention center who have COVID, when at the same time they're using COVID as a reason not to go back into the classroom to teach the kids they're being paid to teach. And how many teachers are doing this? Well, I don't know how the total number, but I can tell you that the reporting I saw from CBS was that there were 6,000 kids who were actually in class in the uh, San Diego Unified School District. In the classroom. And out of 100,000 kids who were registered in the district. Okay, and the rest are enjoying virtual learning? 
That would be my assumption. I don't <laughs> well, use between the, the I, I don't I, know I disagree, the new assumptions. <laughs> I disagree with the word enjoying. Well, look, there's no debate that these kids are not back in school, Mark, and there's no debate that right. some of the teachers are volunteering to teach kids who they claim who have COVID when they claim that COVID is the reason they don't want to go back into the classroom to teach the kids they were hired to teach. And what you don't find that what irritates you? I I don't get it. I I, I guess I missed a sentence or something. But I'm asking questions. I'll understand this shortly. I hope so. So, well, I mean, every question I ask you, your answer is I don't know or I assume. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you I know for a fact on based on reporting that there are six thousand kids who are in the classroom out of a hundred thousand in the district. The rest are... The rest are, are getting virtual education of some sort. Which is typically a compromise. It's not as ideal as in-person classroom. There we've, have been many studies that. which you surely have well, seen. Well, we've proven that. <laughs> yeah, we know in-person is As better. you always say, we know that for sure. <laughs> How do I say it? We know that for sure. Do I really? Do I squish up my face like that too? I don't know whether you do or not. I Wait, try I'm not here. to look at you when you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen. But I mean, seriously, you, you've got to see the problem here. Right. That Teachers are bad and lazy, no, and school districts are worse, lazy. and kids are rotten, oh, and unions are the scourge of the earth. Right. No. What's your conclusion from this? My conclusion is that the teachers are certainly dealing with a certain amount of hypocrisy if they're willing to go volunteer uh, to teach kids who are not their charges, mm-hmm. but they won't go back to the classroom to teach the kids that they're mm-hmm. being paid to teach. I find that's like if you decided you're being paid to do your job here, you decide that it's not safe, so you go out and you read the news on a street corner somewhere Instead. to people who are infected with COVID. <laughs> yeah, I won't come in here because Joe probably has COVID, <laughs> but I'll go out on the street corner and read it to other people now that may, you, now you that get may it. have it. Finally comes the dawn. All right. Well, I think you're missing some key facts here, but in any event, uh, it's it's a good topic. Why won't teachers teach? Are they lazy? Uh, no, hypocr- not, I don't believe they're lazy. I believe that the... You don't I don't, think teachers I don't are lazy? I fault the teachers. I fault the union. There's okay. something wrong with the union here. Ta-ching! <laughs> so Joe nails it. All right. <laughs> we'll take your view on this, folks. What's your opinion? Joe's uh, irritated that I don't have an opinion, but I know you do. So call him immediately and tell him what you think about teachers who don't to teach. It's just the opposite of uh, Governor Wolf's slogan, teach schools that teach and businesses that produce. So um, these are teachers that don't teach. one 800 7 is our telephone number. What's your view on this? 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, Joe, mid-screen, what do you see there? Right, what I see is hearing the co-host of Tuesday's show use the term China virus made me wonder if he's heard of the increase in violence against Asian Americans recently egged on by irresponsible comments like his. Calling it the China virus, gee, if I refer to the uh, Spanish flu, is that going to encourage people to go out and uh, harm Spaniards? Spaniards. (laughs) You know, people are responsible for their own actions. We call it the, many people call it the China flu because that's where it originated. Just as the Spanish flu theoretically originated in Spain, although that's not quite true. But still, we call things that. We call things by the names of... From whence they came. From whence they came all the time. Even though we know that it is... Is exacerbating but anybody, an Asian American. Anybody dumb issue. enough to uh, assault um, someone in this country of Asian descent because they think that they had something to do with the flu, those people have a more serious problem than listening to me say that on the radio. <laughs> Joe never misses an opportunity to disrespect anybody who's oh, in his sights. So <laughs> that's the real reason. I respect everybody. I just don't agree with the whitewashing that's going on with all this, what do you call it, political correctness. All right, respect for people. (laughs) Anyway, Dennis, good morning. You took me to task yesterday for my views on some things, so what do you have today for us? I think that was two days ago, but either way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I'm listening to this proposal by Mr. Biden for, uh, you know, the stimulus for infrastructure and tax hike, and of course it hasn't been laid out totally, but you know, the media is giving us a bit of it. And I think back, okay, Trump said he was going to do in his second term work on infrastructure, which of course he never got to. But do you remember when President Obama first took over, and of course the economy was down, and he was blaming, you know, George W. for that. He asked for and got $19 billion for infrastructure for, quote, shovel-ready jobs. And the proof was, at the end of his eight years, there was no shovel-ready jobs. A lot of that money was used for, you know, it was sent some of it to South America for, you know, registering pig flatulence. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, and then in the uh, fish in California that were going to die, so they diverted water off farmers' lands in the, in the farmers' field. I mean, everything but shovel-ready jobs, and we all know that he struggled with the economy, he got some of it back, but unemployment and jobs where he says, you're never going to get those jobs back, of course, Trump did, but, I mean, now we have Joe, who's insisting anybody making under $400,000 a year is not going to pay tax. You mean to tell me that's not going to trickle down this kind of $2 trillion just for that? I mean, on top of the stimulus package, and then another one they're talking about, I just it doesn't add up to me, but I don't know if you remember that. Issue what were the? I, for, I forgot about the uh, flatulence issue, but yes, that's <laughs> yeah, it's one of our better studies. That one, and I, I think about the effects of shrimp on um, what do you call that? Those wheels that uh, spin that they put gerbils on. Oh yeah, uh, Ex- exercise they were, wheels. They were, or yeah, they wheels. were putting shrimp on those to see how well they would run. <laughs> Uh, Again, just my opinion, but it's like, here we go again. It's the way I feel with this whole issue. What were the jobs that President Obama said weren't coming back? I distinctly remember Manufacturing that. jobs. Manufacturing he said manufa- jobs. Yeah. And he asked if the, the Trump would have a magic wand. Mm-hmm. And right. he said we should accept 1% to 2% growth as being normal. And many manufacturing right. jobs did uh, come back, expand. Yes. Did they come back or did we just expand existing manufacturers? Some came back. 
you know, because he made it profitable for them to come back and unprofitable for them to stay away. Gotcha. Okay. That's called common yeah. sense. All right. And yeah. uh, you said President Obama, Obama struggled with the economy. Uh, define that. You know, what were the struggles? As I recall, and again... <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, what's the opposite of Fox Funnels, Obama <laughs> Funnels. You know, I sort yeah. of saw him more optimistically than other people did. But what, yeah, what, in what way did this, the economy struggle under President Obama? Well, we, the GDP never grew. We, um, jobs were just not there. People's uh, wages were stagnant. He, you know, there's a whole slew of things. And then if you remember, the unemployment rate was always hovering pretty high. It started to come down a little bit towards the end of his administration. But, you know, when you add that all up, basically it was an economic, you know, struggle for eight years. Yes, we're, we're coming off, you know, 9-1-1 with the destruction and everything that happened to the economy, you know, during George W. Bush. Well, and the housing crisis, too. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I think back on it, and I'm like, a lot of what's going on is like shades of Jimmy Carter, too. Yeah. You know, I was I was a registered Democrat, believe it or not, and I when I was a young fellow, and I voted for Carter. I loved Carter, and a man, what he didn't do to this country, and <laughs> I don't think out of intent, just out of poor advice. You yeah, know what it I mean? Didn't work out. Yeah, but no. my money market was paying 19% interest back in those days. <laughs> right, yeah. Even the simplest money market was 11 or 12%. But, you, make, Dennis, you make a great point. I mean, I, I looked this morning, one of the news channels, I forget which one it was, was covering what all was in this supposed infrastructure bill of some $2 trillion or $3 trillion that Obama is proposing. And a lot of it, again, has nothing to do with infrastructure. You know, the parts yeah. of it that do... I think we could probably have a serious discussion about funding those parts. But if all we're doing time after time is implementing all these other social programs the Democrats want and not focusing on the main issues to be dealt with, we're just running up the national debt for no good reason. Exactly. And at your news break, is that CBS, I think it is, you have news break. They, they just said part of that is going to be for repairing 20,000 miles of roads and sitting Geez, by square mileage in Pennsylvania, we probably have a million miles of roads. Yeah, I saw that twenty thousand. That's nothing. Right. That's, that that's is like, nothing. That's you like crisscross uh, the country twice and Interstate eighty and still not get it repaved. Right. In, in every county, it's a front street in Sunbury, which is two miles long. So in every county in Pennsylvania, they get a front street. That's it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. All right, Great thanks. points yeah. all. Very much appreciated. All right. Upper right-hand corner, then yes, we'll take the um, break. One of our friends, Doug, says, Mark is a condescending putz. Joe is pointing out that those teachers who are perfectly fine with teaching illegal immigrant children in person is totally fine, but they can't teach the American children who are pa they are paid to teach in person because of fears of COVID. It's called total hypocrisy and shows that a lot of the hoopla about COVID is not about health at all. All right. Well, I'm just trying to point out that uh, Joe's Fox article it really ignores all of the key questions that you should ask under those circumstances, like precisely what are the reasons they won't teach, why isn't, uh, of course, they are teaching virtually. Joe fails to mention that until I didn't fail to mention questioned it. it. You well, asked no, me not about until it. I, yeah, until you uh, questioned it. All I said it. at the beginning was they won't go back into the classroom. And you also are still equating their 
personal private vacation time. They're <laughs> on spring break. Now, remember, this is spring break, so now at this moment in San Diego, no one is being taught. And so there's some of the teachers personally decide to use their vacation time and, and, and help these kids that are right in, right in San Diego. These are girls that were from uh, the Central America, and so they decide to use some of their vacation time to teach these kids. Yes, there's a higher than average incidence of COVID among the students, so that's a that's an issue. Now, those students are isolated, and these teachers are not contacting them, so there's no risk there. But the people are on vacation. They're not getting paid. Kids in San Diego are being taught virtually, and the school will not comply with their demands that, to relate to safe schools, so oh, the teachers won't come back. they have demands, do they? Okay. Well, don't you, wouldn't you want, I mean, if, if you were a teacher, wouldn't you want a safe school? Are the teachers around here teaching safely? Okay, so anyway, and I'm just trying to point my out. question. Are the teachers around here teaching safely? To the best of my knowledge, they seem to be enjoying it. And yeah. so what are they doing here that they couldn't do in San Diego? See, you don't know. That's the funny well, part no, I'm asking you. you You're saying that they're, they're that they're they have a valid reason for not going into the classroom. I'm saying from what you've seen here locally, what are we doing that they're not doing so that we may help them and instruct them on how to be Joe, better prepared to teach? As always, you don't have the information to answer those questions. That's all I'm pointing out <laughs> is that Joe is like one percent informed on this topic, the Fox headline, which I appreciate you bringing here. It's a good conversation, but there's a lot more to the story, including the fact that what a teacher does in their private time. While their own vacation is completely separate They're about about the union trying to take good care Mark, of the teachers in have, the classroom. That's what the union is. Colleges arguing. have spring breaks. Schools don't. The Easter vacation hasn't started yet. All right. Good point. We'll be right back. <laughs> That's why I'm excited to announce 12 months zero percent financing is back at Peters. Hi, it's Bart again. If your old appliance is giving you fits, come see us at Peters. We deliver and service what we sell. Always. No 800 numbers. No strangers to deal with, no hassle. Choose from GE, Whirlpool, Frigidaire, and more, including Speed Queen Home Laundry, the best built, best backed washers and dryers on the market. Whatever your choice, buy it today and take a full year to pay, interest-free. If you don't know Peters, you should. Our family has been selling and servicing major appliances for 60 years. We are your local appliance experts. Come find out what makes us better. From washers to dryers, refrigerators, and ranges, we can help with your appliance needs. And if your appliance ever breaks, just give us a call. Easy, great deals, good service, free delivery, and 0% financing. What more could you ask for? Peter's Home Appliance Center, Market Street, Sunbury. Financing with approved credit through Synchrony Bank. See salesperson for full details. The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Bill Bork, the old two-niner. I never understood, Steve, why the other team just kind of milled around and Penguins coach Mike Sullivan wasn't really talking to his players. I'm shocked that the other team doesn't use that timeout to gear its guys up for what's to come. Because you knew the Flyers were going to come with a big push. The Steve Jones Show, 3 to 5 weekdays on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, everybody. Steve Jones, Greg Murphy, and Tony Knopp. Today, 3 to 5 News Radio 1070 WKOK. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, we're kind of going to speed things up a little bit because we've got a 945 appointment with uh, Mr. Leonard Steinhorn from CBS. So, Al, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Morning. Uh, I was listening to a report on Ken Matthews gave on Hunter Biden and his, his gun that was missing. And uh, the gun ended up in a in a trash can because uh, he was talking to 
he was at, he uh, is now good and close friends with his ex, uh, his brother's wife, widowed wife, and she found out that he had a gun, so she took it from him out of his truck and threw it in a trash can. Yeah, we right talked about this the other day. And it threw it across, he threw it uh, in a tr- trash can across the street from the school, and then uh, an old guy that rummaged for recycles found it, turned it into the police. The police gave it back to Hunter Biden, and there was a report on it, and the FBI came to where he bought it, tried to get the paperwork with the serial number on it and everything, but the gun, own, gun shop owner wouldn't turn it in. And the uh, he wouldn't give it to the FBI, but he, since it was a stolen gun, turned it into their drug and alcohol enforcement or whatever it is uh, we call it around here. So the deep state won't prosecute Hunter for this. That's the bottom line. That's what all this is well, leading they were trying to. Trying to actually hide the evidence that he bought it. Right. Why he was, and he was kicked out of the Navy for cocaine use in his blood, which is a felon, which you cannot own a weapon. That's why Hunter's uh, brother's ex-wife... So he was, was charged with a felony? He, he was charged with that as a felony. Okay, so he Charles. lied on the gun form, but the deep state's covering up for him. That's that's what's really happening here, right? Yeah, that's what happens. And, they, you know, it seems like there is uh, two justice systems, and it's just another example. What do they call them? Washington elites. That's what they get. Whatever they want. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for the sad update. Appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Anything else? No, that's it. I just wanted to make everybody aware of the, you know, the double standards. Yeah, we talked about that earlier this week that uh, this, uh, I don't know if it is being investigated or certainly Hunter hasn't been prosecuted. Um, I inadvertently oh, said that it... I inadvertently... Uh, Biden is... President, the president, Joseph Biden, uh, is under investigation right now in the Ukraine. Okay. Well, there's a there, that ought to be a good one. All right, yeah. noted. Under investigation there for the the uh, money laundering and uh, things like that. Right, 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 right. I do recall that. Well, the deep state will protect him. Would that not be true? There's a deep state right. in Ukraine. Uh, everywhere. It, 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 it's was a, another lady that had a report that was on 60 Minutes, and uh, 60 Minutes decided not to run it. That was back in October before the election of a lady accusing Biden Biden of uh, actually sticking his hand up under her dress and, uh, and making her very uncomfortable. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Al. Thank you for calling in. 1-800-795-9565. Tuck that away. You're not going to need it right now because we're going to take a quickie break. When we come back, Leonard Steinhardt will be on the phone. Uh, you wish to read any of the texts or emails before we step care. away? says, Joe, you yeah. and I are approximately the same age. The difference between us is I live in the 21st century while you dwell in the 19th century. Perhaps you could at least move up to the 20th century. You comment regarding the COVID-19 virus are a reflection of your poor attitude toward others. Bill. All right. And the email, and then we'll okay. take the break. Actually, you need some plurals there, Bill. Uh, my granddaughters, age 7 and 8, go to a private school, and they are on spring break this week. It is not called Easter vacation. They live in Ohio. I guess they have changed that politically correctly now to spring break instead of Easter vacation. All right. 
<laughs> it was Easter vacation when I went to school. Well, thank you. That's I the, remember that. That's the best email we've received all day. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you for sending that. All right, quickie break. When we come back, Leonard Steinhorn. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the Mark Leonard Steinhorn is uh, often heard on CBS, his analysis of all things Washington. And, and he's been on our program before. Presidential and U.S. government, political analyst, professor of communication, and affiliate professor of history at American University, and author of the book Defending Baby Boomers. Okay, so. Uh, and we but, need defense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Okay. Uh, Leonard, thank you so much for calling WKOK back again. Really appreciate Appreciate yes, it. Thanks a lot. So you'll be nice to me if you're baby boomers? <laughs> <laughs> I am. He's not. Yeah, I'm a little bit. Um, <laughs> he's younger than right. I am. I'm right. way right. younger. Let's start out in Washington, D.C., uh, where President uh, Biden is, you know, struggling with immigration. He's going to do this infrastructure bill today. And other people are saying, well, he's cognitively, uh, he's just not sharp enough. Let's start there. Let's start with the observations about his cognitive abilities, and then we'll go to issues. Well, look, he did perfectly well in his news conference. Um, so that's probably the best way to judge whether he's sharp, whether he's answering the questions, whether he has a mastery of the issues. Uh, you know, so the criticisms sort of get magnified because you'll see one incident and maybe he's not as coherent as everyone might like him to be. But dial back 30 or 40 years ago and he was the same way. And in fact, so was George W. Bush. Uh, and so, look, people have different ways of expressing themselves, of communicating. What we're looking for in a president is not necessarily a professor, um, but a leader, somebody who can process information, synthesize it, make decisions based on the evidence, uh, and provide leadership and direction for the country. And so the question really becomes, from my perspective, is Joe Biden doing that? And obviously his critics will pick apart his policies, but they haven't yet said that his policies are somehow intellectually or cognitively flawed. And in the long run, it's the policies and the ability to make judgments and decisions that are important in a president. So we haven't seen anything that would raise any flags, though. Given his age, we should all be aware of that. Remember Ronald Reagan in his second term, it was becoming increasingly apparent that there was some decline that we ultimately learned later on may have been related to his Alzheimer's. So you have to keep an eye on that, particularly somebody uh, Joe Biden's age. 
But Ronald Reagan was a very effective communicator, and when he spoke, he made sense and you understood where he was coming from. Sometimes President Biden just doesn't make sense. At one instance in his press conference, he was obviously lost. I mean, don't you think he should be... Uh, and the fact that he had to have a, a cheat sheet in front of him that showed photographs of who the reporters were, and he has a list of reporters to call on and notepads. Isn't that a little unusual? I mean, it's certainly not the John Kennedy mold who stood there and took questions. He picked out the reporters, and he answered the questions without notes. Well, yes, that's John Kennedy mold, but John Kennedy was the exception. He was a master at these news conferences, um, and it was a different era. There was far less media and far less information to consume in those days. I mean, right now, you have to sort of know newspapers. You have to know online uh, outlets. You have to know radio and TV. The sort of multi multiplication of media is enormous. But that being said, other presidents have had lists of reporters, particularly in the beginning of their term, but they've had lists of reporters. They've had order of the questions uh, that uh, people should ask. Uh, and again, Joe Biden has never been one not to stumble or meander. Um, he's done it before. He's done it over the years. He did it when he was 10, 20, 30 years younger. Um, but again, go back to Ronald Reagan. And I don't know if you're familiar with that second debate or that first debate against Walter Mondale in 1984 when President Reagan started to ramble and he started to meander and he took us on this trip up Highway 1 in California and nobody knew where he was going. Um, there were beginning to be questions about his age, but he recovered in the next debate performance. He came out perfectly well and seemed on top of the information. This is going to happen to people, particularly as you get a bit older. The question is, is there a tipping point that Joe Biden has reached? And I don't think that there's any evidence that there has been. I have to tell you, my co-host is a good conservative. Every time you mention Ronald Reagan, he has to stand up. So <laughs> he's been standing up and down a couple times today. Let's talk about President Biden. This immigration crisis, is this going to be President Biden's and the Democrats' Waterloo in 2022 and 2024? Is it going to last that long and weigh them down that much? Well, look, it's a big issue. It's a concerning issue. Um, it's going to increase more than it did even when it spiked under President Trump in terms of the number of people coming into the country uh, with, with, without legal means to do so. Um, and uh, how you manage it is the real issue. Look, we're never going to be in a space where people won't be coming into this country, no matter how many walls one wants to build. People are going to be getting in. Um, so the question is how you deal with it. And again, this is sort of hit Joe Biden sort of like a big tornado uh, coming into his White House because the spike that we're seeing in large part is coming from people in uh, uh, Central America. And why is that? Well, because there's poverty and there's gang crime and there were natural disasters. There were back-to-back -back hurricanes in Honduras. Um, and also the cartels are sort of seizing on the notion that the borders are now open and they're tempting people to come uh, uh, over. So it's not a good situation for President Biden. And I think this is why he's dispatched the vice president to try and deal with this. And what she's trying to do is to work with those Central American uh, countries. That is really her portfolio now. She's not going to be able to stop all these people coming in, in in the short term. But working with these Central American countries to prevent people from leaving and to keep the, the governments from uh, letting their people leave, or at least getting the governments to entice people to stay, that's going to be part of her portfolio. But it's more complicated because a lot of those governments are corrupt. 
And so what you have to do is begin to work with nonprofit and non-governmental organizations and funnel money through them, because if you funnel money through the governments there, that money may be sort of taken in ways that it wasn't meant to be. So it's a very, very complicated situation in which we're not just dealing with our border, we're dealing with the dynamics of some countries that are poor, that are more unstable, that have gotten hard hit by COVID, that can't deal with natural disasters, and so people are going to leave. Um, but Joe Biden has been hit with this whole sense of how he deals with sort of the overcrowding and the surge at the border right now with his desire to maintain a certain degree of humane treatment, even though that's so difficult because we are so overcrowded. So yes, how he manages this, how he deals with it, how he addresses it, that's going to be you know, sort of a gauge in terms of how people will judge his presidency, though not as much of a gauge in terms of how he deals with COVID in the pandemic and how he gets people vaccinated and gets us back to normal. I think immigration is an important issue, but it won't be as important in our politics as his uh, actions on COVID and the pandemic and vaccines and getting our economy back in shape. When he w announced that he was going to ask Vice President Harris to take control of the border, he was pretty clear that he intended her to actually be involved in the illegal immigration aspect of it, but apparently she has changed that and decided that she's not going to do that. She's going to, as you point out, work with the governments down there. And I would go back to your comment about the governments being corrupt. Well, we've given those governments billions of dollars over the years. You know, aren't we stupid for doing that? Well, we may well be, or maybe sort of optimistic and hopeful, and sort of assuming that governments really will want to do the right thing. So, you know, lesson learned, uh, once burned, twice shy. So that's why the new sort of approach is to work with non-governmental organizations in those countries. Again, that's not foolproof either, because you never know whether the governments can sort of find a way to seize that money themselves. Um, but, you know, we have to find a way to stabilize those countries and to work with them and with Mexico to be able to address their issues, their concerns. You know, and that's also a humanitarian issue as well because the conditions in those countries are absolutely terrible. But insofar as those conditions do impact us, um, the more we can do to stabilize them, however we can do it, um, the, the less impact it will have, you know, the, the greater impact it will have on securing our borders. So um, this is a more comprehensive system than just worrying about the overcrowding and the, you know, the housing of people and the children coming here, which, of course, is a big humanitarian issue. It's a big policy issue. It's a big management issue. Um, but it's much broader than what we're actually seeing in those border towns as well. But don't you think President Biden encouraged it by his actions? And don't you think he bears the responsibility for it? Again, it's unclear whether people were coming over because they heard something about Joe Biden or because they are fleeing really bad circumstances or in, were encouraged to do so. I mean, you saw a spike during President Trump's term. I think it was in 2018 or 2019. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and nobody could blame President Trump uh, for encouraging that type of movement. So a lot of times these it's the conditions on the ground, whether what we are hearing in our political sort of bubble um, that ultimately drive people to come over the border. And so, it, you know, again, you know, we don't know this. It's counterfactual right now. But let's assume that we could help uh, improve those economies and help those countries deal with the gangs and the crime and the corruption. Would people be more willing to stay there? 
you know, we don't know that. My hunch is perhaps yes, but again, we don't know. So we're all dealing with a very, very difficult situation in which nobody has all the right answers. Nobody has the solutions, um, but you have to be able to try in any number of different ways. And obviously, President Biden is trying it in a way that's far different from the way uh, President Trump did. Last question, how can President Biden get any changes in gun laws and this infrastructure bill through the Senate with the filibuster there? Well, look, infrastructure, let's start with that, because I think guns are going to be a lot more difficult, though I do think they may, may, may be able to compromise on some of those background check uh, background checks, uh, even though Republicans generally don't support them because, uh, you know, they're very worried about, like, transferring guns within families and among friends, um, and they want to protect that, whereas the Democrats want to apply background checks to all gun transfers. So maybe there's room for compromise on that. It won't solve the issue of gun violence, um, but it may make a little bit of a difference in terms of people not being killed if somebody can't get a gun. Um, and there are other issues that they might be able to work on, such as extending the amount of time that background checks can take place before somebody automatically gets a gun if their background check hasn't come through. That was the case with Dylan Roof in South Carolina with the African-American church. He was able to get a gun because the background check got gummed up after uh, uh, by three days. And he got the gun automatically. But that being said, infrastructure. There really is widespread support for a lot of infrastructure improvements in this country. You know, Donald Trump talked about infrastructure week. He didn't come up with a proposal, and it became a running joke in Washington, but he talked about it. Republicans want it. This is shovel-ready stuff for every member of Congress in their district, every senator in their state. This is improving the lives of people, if you can do it. It's making our ports better, our railways functioning better, our bridges more secure, our highways improved for commerce. Um, you know, it, it helps put money into manufacturing um, broadband, you know, to be able to provide universal broadband service for everyone deal with the electrical power grid that we've seen problems in so many states, the latest being uh, Texas, our waterways getting rid of lead pipes, um, you know, even putting um, uh, charging stations uh, and, and around the country. All of that stuff is very, very, very important. Now, Joe Biden's emphasis in part is to deal with the climate crisis um, and to help sort of channel some of that money in infrastructure that's going to be sort of environmentally better and prepare us for a future where we have to deal with a you know potential uh, hazardous climate um, but that being said you know regardless of what your motivation is on all of this you need a good infrastructure to be able to improve the economy the infrastructure is the lubricant for a good running smooth modern economy and republicans and democrats get that where they may disagree is how you fund it. I think that's where some of that negotiation is going to be taking place. All right, well, we'll Fair watch enough. for the negotiations. Leonard, thank you so much for thank your time you. and your insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. Really appreciate hey. it, Leonard. Take care. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Bye. Leonard Steinhorn, American University professor of history and communications and CBS uh, News analyst. So the art of the possible. <laughs> if Joe he, Biden can get these through, I'll be, yeah, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I believe he analyzes from 
somewhat left of center. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Saying that the news conference was cogent. I thought, oh, the loss, he, he just lost He obviously didn't us. hear the parts of it we heard. <laughs> right, so. But, well, but you know, he, point, he, so. right, the, the overriding point was that, you know, that this is him. This is Biden. This is the Biden. And uh, as I said on uh, the day after the news conference, this is still an upgrade from President Trump in, in the minds of so many, many, many people. Obviously, the immigration issues. Well, he did, think, he did fairly remind me when he spoke of that that first debate with President Reagan. I, when, when he said that, I remembered, yes, mm-hmm. that the, there was talk about how he lost that first debate and how he dissembled and rambled. And there was questions about whether or not he was physically or mentally capable of doing the job. So maybe there's hope. They gave him a shot of vitamin E and he came back strong in the next one. Right? Let's just buy Joe a bottle of ginkgo biloba. Uh, you think that'll help? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Joe. We're going to see you tomorrow. It'll be the last day of Joe McGranahan's uh, retirement shortened week, but we will host open phones and we'll hope to hear from you on some of the topics we just discussed. You're listening to News Radio 1070, WDKOK Sunbury, WDKOK News Time. It is now 10 a.m. Time for the Dan Patrick Show.